welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode in which I'm going to be interviewing Michael Primrose. Hi Michael. Hi Kevin. So Michael, you're a finance broker or commercial finance broker you specialise in, but you can also arrange uh, re- normal residential mortgage products for people as well. Is that right? Yeah, so cover, yeah, quite literally the range of, through myself and a partner, uh, literally cover the whole suite of products that are available on property now, all the way from standard buy-to-lets all the way through to crowdfunding, rent-to-rent, so it's literally everything. So literally a one-stop shop. That's it, yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your, a bit of background um, yeah, so, for, for the listeners. Yeah. So basically I started off as a conveyancer, uh, left school, went straight into conveyancing, focused on uh, just single buy-to-lets and uh, a bit of land uh, as I got a bit more confident. Um, found that a bit mundane, so ended up going into a state agency. So um, in terms of uh, conveyancing for people that aren't overly familiar with some of the terminology? So essentially, I was, I guess, a property solicitor, but without having been to university. Okay. So I only qualified for the title of conveyancer rather than solicitor. Um, but yes, I did that for a couple of years, uh, then went into a state agency, again, focusing around single, single lets mainly and a bit of land as well. Uh, but that's really where that started to spark my interest in sort of the more creative uh, landlord options that you've got around. Awesome. So that was the first time I came across a sort of service accommodation or HMOs or land development, anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, left the state agency and became a broker working for someone else. Um, got involved in Progressive and quickly realised that you shouldn't work for anyone else. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, then ended up setting up my own brokerage. Uh, Got involved in progressive, of... meaning that you shouldn't be working for the man or working for an employer's set up <laughs> exactly. your own business. Exactly, shouldn't be in a job. Um, I see. So I was quite literally just over broke. Um, and then, yeah, at the beginning of 2018, set up my own brokerage um, and a couple of uh, investment companies as well. So, yeah, we're just, just getting started uh, in our own investments as well. Um so yeah, it's all going fairly well. Awesome, fantastic. And so you're going to be talking to us about different ways that people might be able to get in touch with you or, or use your background, your knowledge, your um, experience in raising finance. A couple of things that people might find really interesting is that you can, you're also going to be talking about how to uh, raise finance for first-time landlords, yep. but also how to raise... Finance for rent to SAs or, or, or funding your rent to SA, so your your the deposits for a rent yeah. to SA, literally everything that might be needed, the, the furniture, anything that someone might need. Anything that's for. going to get someone started in rent to SA, uh, which hardly anyone knows that you can raise finance for rent to rent because you don't actually own the property. So what are you securing that investment against? <laughs> so I think but, you've definitely got people's attention already. Go. But um, um, okay, fantastic. So. Let's talk about a couple of objections or some of the objections for lenders that lenders normally have when it comes to applications for finance um, for service accommodation projects. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest one uh, and the one that comes out the most is always experience. So every lender always asks the question, have you owned or operated service accommodation before? 
Now, obviously, what we're focusing on uh, is is first time SA landlords. Obviously, the more experienced SA landlords, that probably wouldn't apply because they've got the experience to get them in. So if you're a first-time SA landlord, you haven't got that experience of operating or or owning service accommodation before. Um, now, when I say operating, that can be as a letting agent. So if you've owned an estate agency or worked in an estate agency before, um, or even if you've got rent-to-rent, rent-to-SA, whatever, that can also help on the experience as well. Um, so that's one of the biggest hurdles that we've got to overcome. Um, once we've overcome that one, it then comes down to, well, have you got proof that this works as a service accommodation? Um, so people are always asking, oh, I need one year, two years of accounts, which is the case to get an uplifted valuation. So if you can get one to two years of accounts, you can potentially get a valuation off the EBITDA position, which essentially is a, a business valuation. Uh, so it's not valued necessarily as a property. It's valued more as a going concern as a, as a business. Um, because what they come down to when they're looking at the property is the fact that actually you, you can't uplift the value of that property because at the end of the day, it's a flat or a house or whatever, um, it's the business that's worth the money, um, which is why it's really good, obviously, to get the best possible SA business that you can and outsource as much as you can, just get it systemized uh, to the best you can to obviously increase your profits uh, and increase that that valuation. Um, and the last one, which I don't think a lot of people realize, is that lenders actually do look at your reviews as well. So they look at Booking.com reviews, they look at Airbnb reviews, they look at all these reviews across TripAdvisor, whatever. Um, and if there's any bad reviews, that stops them lending. And the reason it stops them lending is because essentially, if they're lending to service accommodation, they want to see a certain occupancy level. So they want to see that you've got it 80% full because that's what you need to afford the mortgage and get a bit of profit. But if you've got bad reviews in place, in theory, your occupancy is going to come down. So it's always that risk for them of, well, if we lend to this and all of a sudden it gets loads more bad reviews, how are they going to fill the rooms? How are they going to pay the mortgage? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's probably the three top projections that we hear about quite a lot at the minute. OK, so one of the things that I actually say to people on that note is that if they start their rent to SA business, and you're going to talk to us a little bit about how to finance setting up their rent yeah. to SA business in a minute, but ultimately they can set up their rent-to-SA business via a limited company, operate through a limited company and get themselves some uh, track record, some credibility that they can then show their accounts of their limited company via you to prospective lenders and that might also help get them future funding. It it gets them in the door for sure um, because a lot of the lenders... So, for example, I, I always use Shawbrook because they're one of my favourites, um, but their criteria is very clear. Uh, when going for a mortgage, they always look for if someone's owned two buy-to-lets for two years or they've got industry experience for two years. Now, that's very vague, and not a lot of people <laughs> sort of get what that means because it's literally what does industry experience mean. Um, but actually, when you when you dig down into that, that's rent-to-rent experience or as a letting agent or whatever. Um so yeah, rent to rent can can definitely get you in the door for a lot of lenders for sure. Sure. Okay. Fantastic. Now, one of the other uh, products that I've heard you speak about before that an awful lot of the listeners will not have heard of is a bridge to let product that can actually solve an awful lot of problems that people trying to get finance might be experiencing. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so this is a product that we've got in place with a number of clients at the minute. Uh, We're actually as well, we're just doing one on a million pound portfolio uh, just north of London as well. 
So the way it works is essentially it's a long-term bridging loan. Now, bridging loans are normally sort of 1% a month. This comes in at, uh, it's I think 7% per annum at the minute. Um, although there are some that are getting cheaper, so between 6 and 7% per annum. Um, now what they do is they defer 2% of that, so your pay rate, uh, so what you're actually paying out uh, every month is actually only 4 or 5%. So obviously you've got to take into account that the 2% the is being rolled up to the end. Um, but what that allows is you can pretty much put any property with any sort of tenancy on that because it's a bridging loan, it's very flexible. Um, so we use it for a lot of first-time SA landlords because they can go on it for two years or a year, build up their experience, build up their operating history, get their accounts in place, and then refinance. Now, the great thing about that bridge to let as well is that there's no exit fee within the last three months of your term as well. So what it means is that people aren't paying hefty exit fees to change products. Um, they're just paying the arrangement fee, obviously, to get onto the first mortgage, and then an arrangement fee to get onto the second one. Um, but what normally, would be the typical arrangement fee? So the arrangement fee on that is between 2 and 2.5%. Two and so it's it it fits a purpose at the end of the day. So it's it, it can seem expensive to people, but I think if that gets you in the door to actually starting your SA business, um, then you you'd pay whatever came on the table. Really, yeah, absolutely. I've I've uh, invested in all sorts of property in the past, and I've used bridging finance in my early days because that was my only access to funding at the time. Yeah, and and it's just one of those things. If that is your only access, then I, I used to pay an awful lot more. Um, uh, APR than that on my bridging finance. Um, and so late four, five, five percent is very comparable to normal commercial finance. It's uh, pretty close, the, yeah. the roll up at the end, yes, but if, if that's, that's, that's your route into a deal, then absolutely it sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah, and it, the great thing as well is that the debt service coverage ratio is only 100%. Now, normally on a buy to let, that's 125, 145, which means that your income has to be normally 125% of your uh, mortgage payment. Now, because it's 100%, it means you've literally just got to cover your mortgage payment. So you haven't got to worry too much about the affordability. Um, now, the only thing with the bridge to let is it is only 70% loan to value. So you do need a slightly larger deposit. Um, however, if you are getting stuff below market value, then they can cover up to 85% of the purchase price. So actually, in that scenario, your deposit is much smaller than you'd expect on a on a normal buy-to-let anyway. Um, so yeah, it's a great product and it definitely fits a niche for sure. Um, I'm sure most people's perception of, of bridging finance is that it's an awful lot more expensive than that. So hopefully that that's going to set people's mind at ease. I would say even, even normal bridging, um, the, the short-term stuff, the rates are plummeting at the minute. Um, so what used to be 1% is now more like three quarters of a percent. Mm -hmm. So yeah, dropped a quarter in probably the last six months. So that, we, we've spoken then about newbies getting into service accommodation, how they get themselves um, ready for finance. So another uh, product that you are making available to people getting into service accommodation is, is development finance. So do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit more so, about that? So where development finance comes in is where people are doing refurbs or conversions or even new build SA. Because um, I think everyone sort of looks around and they're looking for ready-made units. And I don't think people really understand that actually if if they look for conversions, if they look for new builds, there's actually much more profit to be made, but also a much lower uh, income in terms of cash out of your pocket. 
So um, one of the examples I like to use is if you find a 400 grand flat, let's say, for example, um, now your normal deposit would be 100 grand in that scenario to get one unit. If you use development finance, which covers normally 80, 90% of your total costs, so that's your purchase and your refurb, that 100 grand could actually cover a potentially a million pound end value. So you could end up with a million pounds worth of property rather than 400. Um, and also in terms of equity, you're, it, it's just massive. So it makes a huge difference. Um, so from a development finance perspective, the way to sort of look at it when you're looking at conversions or refurbs uh, is to basically work on the basis that you could get 70% of your purchase price covered through development finance, uh, but also 100% of your build costs as well. And if you're doing new build, uh, just work on the basis of you could cover 65% of the end value, uh, which is up to 80 to 90% of cost, depending on which ceiling you hit first. Um, but I think that might just open some people's eyes to to looking at bigger stuff and trying to take on maybe... It's just a great way of building up a bigger portfolio quicker, really. Awesome. So there's literally a solution for virtually everybody. To everyone, yeah. Okay, so that's that's talking about development finance. So let's... Talk a little bit now, Michael, about leveraging service accommodation managing agents um, that SA operators can partner up with, which can make your job easier to be able to get those service accommodation operators financed. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so with managing agents, um, essentially what you've got is a scenario where you're partnering up with someone who's much more experienced than you, in theory. Um, so lenders look on that more favourably because at the end of the day, if you've got no experience operating SA, but you've given it to someone, so let's say Progressive Let's, for example, just to, because we're next door, we'll use them as an example. They manage hundreds of SA units um, and all the reviews go under their name, etc. So the lenders can look at them um, and they can see that they're essentially a reputable company that they can use. Um, and that they can sort of leverage off the back of their experience. Um, and that, that actually comes in twofold. You can use that for development finance and also for the finance at the end. Because if you've got a managing agent in place, it makes the development finance easier because in theory, the exit finance is easier. Um, so yeah, it's just the ability for the lender to look at the managing agent and say, yeah, you've got a great agent in place. Yeah, we can see their track record. Okay, yeah, we're, we're happy with that. If they're managing it, we're happy for them to sort of sit there take the property on, okay, we're lending to you guys over here, but the managing agent we can see are good enough to do the job. Fantastic. Right, I've got one more thing to speak to you about, Michael, um, before we uh, we draw the this episode to a close, and that is Rent to SA. We, we spoke about it at the beginning, but Rent to SA getting funding for all aspects of setting somebody's Rent to SA business up. How how would you be able to help them with that? Yeah, so with that scenario, um, and it's it's a fairly new thing to the market, and it's equity crowdfunding. So what people can do is they can set up an SPV, they can sell shares within that SPV. So just just to clarify for, for total newbies, SPV is being a special what? purpose vehicle, which essentially is a limited company that's set up with essentially the sole purpose of once you finish the job within it, you wrap it up. 
and everything moves up into your holding company, essentially. And just, and just so that people are clear, it's not expensive to set up a limited company. People can go on I HMRC's think it's 12 quid now. 12 quid. <laughs> I've been sort of exaggerating, saying 15 quid. So you can actually get it done for 12 quid on HMRC's website. Or people can just get their own accountant to do it, and their accountant's probably going to charge them 100 quid or something I was like going to say, that. I think my accountant charged me £100 to set up a company and actually take the shares on for me as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not expensive at all. So one, once that limited company's been set up, um, you essentially sell shares within that company for a fixed price and a fixed return as well. So you might sell the share for £500 with a 20% 20, 20 return on that share, for example. Um, now, that might be an annualised return or that might be a return over two years or whatever the scenario. Um, but the idea is, is that you're raising those funds to then fund your SA business. So, uh, for example, there's, if just to give an example of a website that people can visit, uh, it's simplecrowdfunding.co.uk, I believe it is. Um, and if you go on there and look for a deal for a company called Win-Win Lettings, they raised 35 grand for three rent-to-service accommodation apartments in London. Um, and you can actually log in, you can see all the documents, they can see the cash flow, etc. cetera. Um, but they actually raised those funds over three years as well. So they gave the landlord a three-year guaranteed rental income, um, took the property on for three years, managed to raise all the funds. So the 35 grand covered uh, the deposits for all three units, the first month's rent for all three units, and all the furniture for all three units as well. So quite literally everything. They didn't have to cover a penny out of their own pocket. Um, and that then gave them three London-based SA units, which were generating quite considerable cash flow. Um, but also the investors that were when, on. When you say considerable cash flow, have you any idea um, how much? Um, so on these ones, I think they were making about £800 a month per unit, I believe it was. And that was after paying back the investors as well. Okay. So the investors were on, uh, I think some were on a monthly return and some were on a quarterly return. And so £800 per month, pure profit. Pure after profit all costs, after, after all After cleaners, costs, after rent, after, after absolutely everything. Yeah. So they were taking about two and a half grand, let's say, mm -hmm. um, from something that, They'd literally put no money into to get started. A completely no money down strategy gave, where you can just go in with with not a penny in your pocket and set up a exactly. business and you cash can, flowing thousands of pounds well, the, a month. The other great thing as well is that you can roll all your fees up into the raise as well. So when you put it on the crowdfunding site to raise the finance, um, the, the crowdfunding platform charge a 5% fee where you can actually add that to the raise. So you're not even paying their fee. So it's actually getting rolled up to the end. Um, and the other thing to bear in mind with that as well is that at the end of the three years, you're going to get your deposit back, which pays back a chunk of the money that you've borrowed anyway. Mm -hmm. So the only money that you've got to find is throughout the three years, enough to pay off the furniture in the first month's rent, and then a bit of investment back as well. So it can be a really, really great way of structuring the deals. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend that people log on and look through the cash flows and and yeah, just have a look and see how they can replicate it in their own areas as well. And did you help um, set this up with Win-Win? Uh, actually, this one was done a couple of years ago, so I didn't help with this one, but we're actually in the process of putting a new one on the platform at the minute. So we're helping uh, a couple of guys raise some finance for three units in Nottingham. So, but they're going to, what they're doing is they're literally going to be raising every couple of months for three different units every time. So they're just going to keep doing it again and again and again and again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really great strategy for that. Um, but it's also great for people who have already got investors who want to try and stay compliant within the FCA rules about obviously raising investment legally. 
Um, so it can be a great platform for you to just put the project on and get your own investors to invest in. So you know you're compliant, you know you're all within FCA regs, um, all the shareholders agreements are, are drawn up for you anyway, so you, you can be really hands-off. Um, and it just helps manage that relationship with investors slightly easily. So people can just go on the, the platform themselves, but they if, if they want your help and advice on how to present it to the platform that's, to get yeah. more likelihood of funding, then, then obviously they, people can contact you to help with that. Yeah, and that's it. We offer a, essentially a packaging service. Um, so getting all the cash flows in place um, and just helping it look presentable. But also the, the bonus you get is that because it goes onto an FCA regulated platform, you're actually then allowed to share the raise through different social media platforms. Um, so by using someone like us to, to actually help package it, we can then put it out to my 5,000 connections on Facebook and I think I'm getting close to 6,000 on LinkedIn. So it, it just helps to, to sort of broaden uh, your investor base by using other people to, to put these deals out. Yeah, leverage, joint ventures, that's what it's all about these days. Okay, I'm, I'm so pleased you came in uh, today to do this podcast, Michael. Um, I, I appreciate you've, you've just covered stuff as, as quickly as you can. People's attention span on podcasts these days can be quite limited. <laughs> but if people do want to contact you personally to get more clarification or, or for you to explain in more detail any of the things that we've covered today on this podcast, how would they, um, how should people contact you? Uh, so there's a couple of different ways. They can either connect with me on Facebook. Um, I'm pretty active on Facebook. So I'm just literally under Facebook as Michael Primrose. Um, or they can drop me a line on 07951-802-602 or drop me an email at mprimrose at tpefinance.co.uk. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Michael. And thanks to everyone for listening. Hope you found this episode useful. And here's to your success in serviced accommodation. Thanks for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. If you have any suggestions on future content for this podcast, please message Kevin via his Facebook page, Property Soldier.